Hey, how you doing? And welcome to episode number 76 of the John Riley Project. It is Wednesday, September 11th, 2019, and we are broadcasting as we always do from the city in the country, Poway, California. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this very special day. I mean, obviously a very special day in the world of um, you know American history. 18 years ago was the 9-11 event. But, you know, uh, there's another big event that happened on this day, and we're celebrating our one-year anniversary of the John Riley Project. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk about the gig economy as well. And, you know, there's been some recent legislation that was just passed, and I have a bunch of comments on the gig economy. So lots to get into. But, you know, back to the whole 9-11 uh, topic, if you if you like to join in the conversation, we've got a fun thread going on on the John Riley Project Facebook group. And it's a simple question. You know, what were you doing on 9-11. And I love this question because so many people have great stories, amazing stories. They were in these unusual situations. Some people have shared some really interesting things. I shared um, our adventure as well. Um, and in many ways, you know, this is like the the story that the previous generation before ours used to say, you know, where were you when JFK was shot? Because it's that instant in time. Everyone remembers where they were when they heard the news. Um, speaking for myself, my wife and I, we were out traveling. We were in Costa Rica. We had just finished a wonderful week-long vacation in Costa Rica. We were in the airport waiting to board our plane. And then that's when everything went down. And so we ended up getting, you know, I'll put this in air quotes, stuck in Costa Rica for another week um, while we waited it out because all the flights were, you know, we couldn't get back to America. We eventually did work our way back. We flew into Mexico City on Independence Day, Mexican Independence Day, and fireworks and explosions were going off that night, which is a little creepy considering the circumstances. And then the following day, we worked our way up on an Air Mexico flight and eventually got to Tijuana and we walked across the border because we couldn't fly back into America. So uh, pretty crazy. It was a, a wonderful vacation and we had a, a roughly another extra week added on going through all the crisis. So I'm sure you have an interesting story to share. Please join us on the Facebook page for John Riley Project. And um, hey, let, let me know what you think, because uh, I think you've got a good story to share, too. Um, yeah, what else is going on? Um, I was just checking um, the Facebook feed and Steve Dow, one of our more recent guests, was just just shared an article from the BBC that they've discovered a planet that's inhabitable and has water on it. So, wow, huge news. I think we're looking forward to learn more about that. I just saw the headline, haven't really dug in much on it, but that's pretty exciting. Um, and, you know, I'm getting ready to go on a couple of trips. I'm going to be going up to Reno and Bodie, California. There'll be a fun trip along the 395. It's a road I've never really traveled much on. We're going to be going to a ghost town in Bodie, California, and I, this should be fantastic. The photos look like a snapshot from a a old Clint Eastwood movie. And then um, we're going to work our way up to Reno. We're going to the um, National Automobile Museum that was previously or maybe still is owned by Bill Hara from Hara's Casinos. And so one of my buddies from college, uh, Jack and I are going to head up there and 
We're going to check out all these old cars from the 19th century and the early 20th century. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, and then a little bit after that, the, the fine wife and I, we're going to be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. And we're going to go on a trip and we're going to be going to Memphis and Nashville and New Orleans, which I think are three fabulous cities. So we're going to take all that in. And on the way there, we're going to stop in Butte, Montana, which is um, a little bit of my family history research. Um, you know, my ancestors, when they came here from Ireland and England, they stopped in Butte, worked in the mines before they moved to San Francisco. So we're going to spend a few days there walking in the footsteps of my ancestors. And thanks to my wife for joining me on that. That should be fun. And then we're going to go on an adventure in the South, which I think will be great. So lots going on. Yeah. September 11th, a lot of heavy stuff in the news. Um, but uh, yeah, join us on the Facebook page and share with us your story. So let's get into this gig economy issue. And this has been something in the news here in California. And, you know, it just passed the state Senate today. And I think that was the last major hurdle. I think the bill is now going to go to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk where he's already said he's going to sign it. And what this is, is it's a sweeping uh, change in the way contract workers are defined. And, you know, let me read here from one of the articles and it says California law could soon redefine, actually it has redefined, a large swath of independent contractors as employees, upending the business models used by the state's gig economy companies, including Uber and Lyft. And as we get into this, we're realizing this is a direct frontal assault on Uber and Lyft uh, because they've been in the news a lot and we're seeing government coming after them. Um, And since their inception, the drivers have been considered independent contractors, meaning they get paid for each gig they accept, but are not covered by any of the other benefits those classified as employees are required to get under current state law. These include sick time, vacation, pay, medical coverage, and overtime. So what's happening now is that the the state government is coming in and basically saying you can't have independent contractors if they meet certain criteria, but they're basically trying to convert them to become employees. And there's good news, bad news to this. And But let me just say up front that I am a huge, huge supporter of the gig economy. I mean, I think it's tremendous. I mean, first of all, I participate in it. So, um, you know, full disclosure here. And I participated in it myself from both sides. So in some cases, I have clients that work with me on a consulting basis, on a contractor basis. And um, I do work for them either remotely or in their office. So I'm getting paid through the gig economy. Uh, But at the same time, I also will hire people that participate and help me in my business that are also gig economy workers. And I love it. I love the flexibility and um, I love the ability to be nimble. I, I think it's a wonderful thing and I think it empowers um, empowers workers. And I think in many ways it gives workers an opportunity to work for themselves rather than having to always work for you know the man, essentially. So, and it's interesting is in the article I just read this, mor- um, this morning in the San Diego Union Tribune, 
and I'll share the links in the in the show notes. San Diego entrepreneur Jeremy Yamaguchi, the CEO of an on-demand yard work startup called Lawn Love, said the bill has terrifying implications for the gig economy uh, companies if they're found to be misclassifying workers as independent contractors moving forward. Startups could pay heavy penalties to the state for violations. Yeah, absolutely. So this this is going to affect a lot of these tech startups, and and it's going to force them to change the way they do business. Well-known local startups in this category, you know, besides Uber and Lyft, um, are companies like GoShare, the so-called Uber of moving trucks, Veo, the Uber of medical transportation, and Hire a Helper, the Uber of movers. These startups are joined by countless other Uber of blank um, imitators throughout the state, highly concentrated in tech hubs such as San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. So this is going to have an impact on our economy. It's going to have an impact on innovation, on entrepreneurs, um, because that's the beauty of what entrepreneurs do. They, they come up with better mousetraps. They come up for new ways to break the model. And so instead of, you know, like, for example, movers of the Uber of medical transportation, Veo, well, imagine these people that are being hired to do this work as independent contractors. They're empowered. They're now business owners. They can pick and choose when they work. Um, they you know, get a lot of additional benefits in terms of flexibility, and it puts them in a perfect frame of mind to think like entrepreneurs. And I think that's a huge part of this. And you know what's interesting is that most of the objections that we're hearing about this, these um contract workers, you don't hear much complaints from the contract workers themselves. I mean, you might hear some, but the overwhelming complaint are from, it's from the government or it's from companies that have to compete with these um, innovators. I mean, here's an interesting quote. The vast majority, 97% of current self-employed professionals, and if you're self-employed, you're essentially a gig worker. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So 97% of current self-employed professionals have no desire to return to traditional work, and most, you know, 70% are actively working to grow their own business. And gig workers, you know, whether you're an independent contractor, you essentially are running your own company. Um, and you're running it, you know, albeit on a very modest scale, um, but you're seeing that people that work in the world of self-employment, of entrepreneurism, specifically myself, I can't even fathom going back to work for a large corporation and working as an employee and essentially being under the thumb of a manager and really having a lot less control over my sources of income. Um, I think the beauty of entrepreneurism, and I'm a big believer in this, we had a podcast not too long ago talking about the um, you know, encouraging entrepreneurship for, for young people, I think it, it, it sets you up to think differently about your career. It sets you up to be looking for opportunities, looking for cases to innovate, and then p- putting yourself in a position where you could potentially earn a great deal more. Um, now, for my speaking for myself, 
I, I think that I do well as a result of the gig economy. The hourly rate that I earn in the work that I do when I'm employed as a contractor is far higher, is a higher uh, rate, a higher hourly rate than I likely would, would get if I were an employee. In many cases, it's significantly higher. But it's a trade-off. For me, I know that the company could cut me loose at any time if they wanted to, but I know that I show value and I do good work, so I know they want to keep me. Um, but I know that I run that risk. I have to pay my own taxes, uh, which I handle as a you know the way I manage my business. And at the same time, I have to you know cover not just income taxes, but I've got to do my payroll tax. And frankly, I got to pay double the payroll tax, which I think is not fair. Um, and then I have to cover my own healthcare expenses. So. Um, but I get paid at a rate that really helps me cover a lot of those things. So I think the whole notion of being self-employed is a really important mindset to think like an entrepreneur. And Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, now they're obviously if you if that is your career, you might make a you know a decent income, but by no means are you going to be set up as a as a millionaire. But the beauty, in my opinion, of being an Uber driver or a Lyft driver in these examples is it changes your frame of mind. It changes the way you see the world, where you're looking for opportunities to essentially monetize. You're looking for opportunities where you can maximize your income, and at the same time, you're also looking to to better manage, better merge your work life and your personal life. And that's the beauty of a lot of these these driver gigs. You know, DoorDash is the other one that we, we're not really talking about yet, but you can decide when you want to work. You're available on a Tuesday night. Hey, I'm available. You can work. And if you've got something planned on a Wednesday or Thursday, you can say, I don't want to work. If you've got a job, you can't, you don't have that flexibility. If you say, I don't want to work, they'll fire you um, in many cases, unless you can work something out with your boss. But for the most part, you're under their thumb. So I think the we should be encouraging more of this gig economy. That's what I found so troubling about this bill is that it's essentially it's it's tampering it, it, it tempering excuse me and it's it's dampening the entrepreneurial spirit which i think is something that is greatly needed in our economy. Now it is interesting if you think about this bill who benefits if these workers are converted to become employees. Now, follow the money, okay? Always follow the money. And the state government is going to be a huge beneficiary. The state government has estimated that nearly $7 billion of so-called lost revenue exists because employees are miscategorized as independent contractors when they should be set up as employees. So politicians are heavily driven by this because they want more money to drive their, their state programs or to put it a different way, they want to take more money away from other people. Um, so this, the money is a big part of this. Whenever there's a controversial piece of legislation, always follow the money and understand who benefits. Now, here's an interesting quote from the same article. Startup founder Sean Savage said his company employs 3,000 independent contractors who sign up as gig workers on his moving truck platform, GoShare. 
These drivers own big trucks and use GoShare's app to find gig work, moving people's furniture and other items. If the state forces GoShare to reclassify these workers as employees, it will require an overhaul of his business model. The economics of it will have to be redesigned um, to account for these new costs. Savage says... His contractors currently average between $47 and $71 per hour plus tips. Okay. But if the state forces GoShare to reclassify these workers as contractors, he might have to reduce the hourly pay because now he's going to be burdened with having to pick up, you know, the, the, the match for the social security and for the Medicare, all the payroll taxes, the company has to match that. And if the company is then going to be having to offer um, healthcare coverage, according to some of the laws, he may have to reduce the hourly pay in order to fund the healthcare um, expenditures. And heck right now they're earning between 47 to $71 per hour plus tips. That's pretty good. Um, You know, especially if you're a driver and you're moving, you know, furniture and other large items. So he goes on to say, instead of money going to the drivers, the money will go to the state in the form of payroll taxes or towards additional insurance requirements to satisfy the qualifications of hiring an employee, Savage said. So, yeah, that's startup founder Sean Savage from the company GoShare. So you can see that by converting these independent contractors into employees, it's going to force these companies to hire them as employees, which means that their pay rate likely is going to go down. And in many cases, a lot of these gig workers that had the flexibility of maybe working one day a week, two days a week as their schedule permitted, they're going to be out of gigs because they're not going to get hired if they're only available one or two days a week. Um, And at the same time, This is going to increase costs, which is going to cost the end user, the customer, more to use these particular services. And it's interesting because politicians are always trying to sell it as a way to protect the worker. I mean, that's the that's the um, the feel good message you hear. But what they're really trying to do, what these politicians are really trying to do is a way to protect their own interests. They want more revenue to the state and they also are working in cahoots with labor because, you know, labor is a big backer of this. And labor obviously would like to unionize a lot of these workers um, and. And labor, by the way, is a big contributor to the campaigns for a lot of these politicians. So you have all these interesting forces, you know, in cahoots working together. So always follow the money. And then, you know, then there's the old story, the famous story, the the traditional taxi drivers and the medallions. So if you don't know the story that in order to be before Uber and Lyft, if you wanted to be a taxi driver, you had to get a permit from the government, from the usually from the city government. And you would get this permit and it was, sometimes it was a sticker in your window or in New York City, it was a medallion. It was actually like a badge that would go on the car and be presented on the windshield. That badge in New York City could cost as much as the mortgage on a home. I mean, it could be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars just for a permit to get permission from government just to take people on taxi drives. And so when Uber and Lyft came onto the scene, they were able to get around that medallion requirement. Of course, everyone in the taxi industry was aghast. The taxi industry pushed back and in some cases got government to ban Uber and Lyft. And in doing so, you know, really harmed consumers um, and really tried to rig the playing field 
um, in their favor. And that's what we always see is when we see various forces that try to use government as a tool to essentially rig the market so they get a benefit and competitors are at a disadvantage. So um, taxi drivers, you got to believe, are big supporters of this bill, too, because they're upset that these other guys don't have to pay these exorbitant you know, frankly, you know, outrageous fees from government just to have the permission to do a, to do a job. Um, so they're obviously, um, you know, helping push this along. But you know, what's interesting is you hear all this talk about Uber and Lyft and DoorDash. And I cited a couple of other cases of similar business models where there are drivers that are working as independent contractors. But there's a whole slew of industries that are exceptions to this rule. These industries have gotten carve-outs in this bill that, that gives them the ability to continue to have independent contractors outside the boundaries of this bill. Um, and these industries include, and it's a long list, insurance brokers, doctors, dentists, lawyers, architects, engineers, private investigators, accountants, investment agents, salespeople, commercial fishermen, that's an interesting one, and real estate agents are among those that made the list of, you know, the essentially that are accepted from the rule. Freelance media makers, including journalists, also were granted exemptions, but uh, but uh, only if they are limited to contributing 35 pieces a year. So, you know, you, you get a local paper and a lot of the journalists that write stories in local papers, a lot of them are freelancers. And the 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 newspaper will pay them on a per article basis. Essentially, it's a gig so because they have a limited staff of full-time employees. I mean, that's true here with the, uh, the Poway Chieftain and the, you know, the Rancho Bernardo Journal. And so if, and this is the crazy thing, is if they write 35 or less stories, then it's okay. They can still be classified as independent contractors. But the minute they write their 36th story, then suddenly they have to be employees. So it's, it's just the... If they really believed in the principle of this issue, that independent contractors should be classified as employees because they want them to get overtime pay and and have all the protections, well, then they would apply it to everybody if they really believed in the principle. But they don't. But what all of this is is manipulation. It's manipulation to serve the needs of specific people and specific industries at the expense of others where we have inequality under the law. And it's packaged in a way to make it look like the politician is fighting for the right of the worker, when in many cases they're harming the worker because these workers like those jobs. They like the flexibility of those jobs. In some cases, they like the pay of those jobs. Um, they like being empowered where they can control their own destiny. So um, in my opinion, I think we need to be encouraging um, more entrepreneurism, but especially for ride sharing specifically, because there's so many benefits to what Uber and Lyft have brought to the table. Um, we need to be encouraging more of this. Now, Uber and Lyft will still continue with some of their workers acting as employees, but it's still, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dampen it. It's going to become less interesting to consumers because it's going to cost more now. Um, and there's going to be a lot more limitations on how the app works. Um, but think about the benefits that ride sharing as a general rule brings to the table. Now, first of all, there's a lot less people driving drunk on the road because it's so much more socially acceptable to take Uber, to take Lyft when you've had a few too much to drink. So the, immediately they've removed the stigma of, um, uh, you know, of 
not not let me re- re- make sure I phrase this properly. They've removed the stigma of asking for help when it's time to go home and you've had too much to drink or you've had anything to drink at all. Um, it's become very socially acceptable to always have Uber and Lyft available. That's good. That's a great benefit to um, our society. And, ha- and ride sharing as a general rule is a great thing. I mean, ride sharing means less people on the road. It means less, uh, as a result, less congestion. But then we're also talking about less pollution. So with ride sharing, there's less cars. So less pollution, that's a great thing. And then this is all kind of setting the stage for more ride sharing, especially when we get to the Andrew Yang automated uh, driverless car vision, which I think we can all we all know that's going to be on the horizon. Imagine a world of automated driverless cars, electric vehicles. Think about the benefits on the environment, the uh, benefits to the whole climate change issue. Um, So we should be encouraging more ride sharing. We shouldn't be trying to find ways to to keep it down, to attack those companies. We should be, we should be celebrating these companies. I mean, when Uber and Lyft came on the marketplace, I thought it was fantastic because now these drivers are in business for themselves and they can, you know, collect the cash, they're getting their tips and they can dictate their own hours, their own, um, you know, their own conditions. I think it's a great thing. Um, So I was really disappointed to see this. Now, some people say, if you're on the other side of this, you think, all right, well, these employees, well, they, they, they need to be protected. Maybe they're getting a bad deal from Uber. And some people have said, well, the pay rate you get from Uber after you consider the time that you're idle or you know the wear and tear on your car and the gasoline expenses, they end up earning a very low wage. Well, you know what? If it's not a deal that you like, if you think like an entrepreneur, if it's a deal that you don't like then don't take the deal, you know, take another job. And there are plenty of other jobs right now. In fact, I just checked the unemployment rate in San Diego. The most recently reported one was for July was 3.6%, which is incredibly low. Now, it was below 3% in June, but 14,500 jobs were lost in the county in the county when um, when school closed. And so some of those jobs went away, so that kicked up the, the unemployment rate. But still, it's near historical lows. There's so many jobs that are out there. Um, there are th- over 35,000 full-time job openings in San Diego County um, that are advertised on Glassdoor.com. So there's so much opportunity. So a lot of these workers like those gigs. They're working for Uber or for Lyft or DoorDash. And in fact, one of our um, family friends, their their teenage uh, son does work for DoorDash. And it's a great way to fill in the gaps on the schedule, make some extra money. Um, But if they don't like that deal, then don't take the deal. Take a job somewhere else. And if people did more of that and it was harder for Uber or Lyft to get good drivers, then they'd have to pay more. And then you see the pay rates go up through natural market forces. So um, anyways, I, I just think in general, from a big picture perspective, when we think of the economy, there's always so much focus on jobs. We need more jobs. I'd like to think of it differently. 
We need more entrepreneurs. We need more people that want to go into business for themselves. We want more people that want to believe in their self, believe in themselves and go out there and directly engage with clients and customers and provide products and services that benefit them, that benefit their customers. And as a result, if people can be more inclined to do business themselves, they get greater control over their life. They also get greater control over their source of income and they set the stage to potentially earn a great deal more. So, um, yeah, very disappointed to see um, what passed up in Sacramento. I don't think Governor Newsom has signed the legislation, but I expect it to happen. But yeah, wow. So that's the gig economy. And um, hey, you know, this uh, John Riley project, man, <laughs> this podcast is another like one of my gigs. You know, it's a it's another kind of a business venture. So, um, yeah, again, big supporter of the gig economy. Heck, I mean, the whole notion of gig. I mean, I'm a former musician. <laughs> Used to play out in a lot of uh, bars. We called them gigs, and we got paid for each one of those we did. So, um, yeah, anyways, moving on. Um, all right, yeah, on social media, I already told you, on the John Riley Project Facebook page, um, we're having a really fun conversation about um, what was your story on 9-11-2001. Where were you? What was going on? What kind of a crazy event happened? Or maybe there was something going on in your family. You know, I heard, heard stories about people getting out of the shower and the first plane hit. And then and I've heard other stories. I mean, amazing stories where people were overseas and Americans were treated very badly. I've heard other crazy stories where people that they talk about on our Facebook page, people that were in New York City at the time and saw the buildings come crumbling down. So some incredible stories. So if you've got a story to share, join us on the John Riley Project Facebook page and continue the discussion. All good, right? Okay. So um, 9-11, 2001 was the attack, the Al-Qaeda attack on the World Trade Center, on the Pentagon and the other plane that crashed in Pennsylvania. But September 11th, 2018, one year ago today, was the first episode of the John Riley Project. So, hey, we we're celebrating our one year anniversary. So yay us and yay you. Thank you for joining us. Some of you have been with me since the start and I'm really thankful for your support. Thank you so much. We've accomplished a great deal here and I, I kind of want to recap some of the things that have happened over the past year um, with this podcast project because in my opinion, this is just amazing. Some of the things that we're doing here um, on a personal basis, on a community basis, some really incredible things that have been going on, but we've done seven. This is our 76th episode. So that means 52 weeks. We've done roughly one and a half episodes a week. Um, and I'm trying to do more, uh, but wow. So I've been really productive trying to crank these out. Most podcasts last like five episodes. Some make it to 10. We're at 76 and I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep on going because uh, I love doing this and I hope you love listening and I hope you love watching. Um, but I think, you know, when we started this, I originally said this was a podcast for Poway, a podcast for Rancher Bernardo, a podcast for Carmel Mountain Ranch and 4S Ranch 
and Sabre Springs and Rancho Penasquitos. And that's really the basis of how we started this. You know, we're covering a lot of local candidates, local entrepreneurs, local athletes here in the San Diego County, North County inland area. And so, um, yeah, we've, we had some incredible conversations with candidates uh, that were running for office in the in the fall of 2018, had some great conversations um, talking things out. We, we've, we've had really interesting discussions with people, difficult conversations. So I think in many ways, this podcast has served as a community forum, which I think is really great for the audience uh, to meet a lot of interesting people and talk through some of these issues. I mean, heck, we talked about the Poway Chabad shooting when that happened in, I think it was April of this year. And again, a difficult discussion. And that's come up multiple times in many of our podcasts. We had one episode entirely devoted to that. So as a community forum, I think we've done some great things, um, giving long form conversations on a lot of these important issues. Um, yeah, we did the, the deep dives with a lot of these candidates. And, you know, I saw... Dave Rubin did this, and he really, in many ways, his podcast, The Rubin Report, has was the inspiration for me to start this because I love what he is doing. He's got a a podcast that's primarily a video one, but he also ha- does pre- presents it on audio. He's got over a million subscribers on his YouTube page, which is unbelievable. And he converted his garage into a studio, and he invites guests in, and they talk for one hour, two hours at a time. I mean, Joe Rogan does the same thing also another inspiration of mine when we started this podcast. But the beautiful thing that Dave Rubin has done is that he realizes that political candidates, when they're out on the road, when they're interviewed by the media, they get a sentence here or a sound clip there. Maybe they're on a debate stage. They might get five minutes in an hour if they're lucky, um, especially these Democratic uh, presidential debates where they just get a snapshot. He went down the path of having two-hour long-form conversations with these candidates. And I just thought that was the greatest thing. And I thought, we can do that here locally. And that's what we did. And we invited a lot of these candidates in. And I think was wonderful uh, for our community to see a lot of these people that ran for Poway Mayor, Poway City Council, Poway Unified School District. We got to meet them, learn more about what makes them tick, look, learn more about their backstory, their family, learn more about their campaign platforms, learn more about what you know, they do in their free time, you know, and get to know them personally, get to know their character, get to understand their philosophy. Um, and I think it's a wonderful a wonderful service that we're trying to provide here for the community in doing that. Um, but we've met so many interesting people along the way and learning new things and uh, understanding different points of view has been fabulous. And we've had a few episodes on self-improvement, you know, journaling and, and um, uh, believing in yourself. And I want to do more in the self-improvement category, but I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the content, and this is our 76th episode, a lot of value that we're trying to provide to the audience to really improve your life, make your life better. That's what we're trying to do here is to give you information, give you motivation, inspiration to live a quality life and to better engage in the community around you. But you know what? I've grown a lot too. I mean, I really have this, this, I love this project. It's been a huge boost for my self-esteem. I get a great amount of pride in what we're doing here because I really enjoy it. Um, and I hope, 
I hope that comes off when you listen or you watch. Um, I, I'm always thinking about this podcast and what are we going to do next and who can we invite next? And I want to change the format. I want to change this and experimenting with technologies has been great. I mean, I've met amazing people here. I've made new friends through this podcast, which is so rewarding for me. Um, and I'm able to do these solo podcasts where I can just express my thoughts. Um, I, and that in and of itself is very rewarding, very fulfilling, where I kind of have a platform and I can just share what I think. You know, I have some comments about the gig economy and I can freely express that. And that's what makes America great is our First Amendment and the freedom of speech. Um, and so I, this is my way of celebrating that and sharing what I believe in. So that in itself is wonderful. And I'm learning about all this new technology. So I've learned about Adobe Audition to do all the audio editing. I've learned about Adobe Premiere. I'm learning about video cameras and, um, you know, I'm learning to do mixing and I've learned a great deal with technology, um, how to do post-production and video editing and different things, um, learning about how to set up a podcast studio and the microphones and the lighting and everything else that we've got in here. So I've been learning about the technology, which is great uh, because this is helping me build skills that will be helpful in my future. So maybe my clients might be interested in some of these skills that I've developed. This is one way that I can empower myself. I can improve my own resume and be a of better value, better service to the people I do business with. And I think that's good. That's the whole mindset of being an entrepreneur is to find ways to monetize opportunities. So that's what I'm working on. Um, and you know what else is interesting is I've been doing some more promotions, trying to build the audience for this podcast. In a lot of ways, I have to market myself. And it's one thing to help businesses grow and help businesses attract new customers and help businesses retain their existing customers. But it's a whole other game when you've got to really look inward and say, I got to market me now. Um, so that's been kind of an interesting process of personal growth and, and really an amazing challenge and a beautiful challenge um, in many ways, kind of therapeutic as I have to look inward and then decide how I want to project myself outwardly and loving that process. And I'm still working through it. I still have a lot to learn, but I'm, and I'm also having a lot of fun with this. So, I mean, one year, the 76 episodes, this is awesome. So I'm really proud. I'm really happy about this. I'm having a great time, but let's talk about these candidates. And these are the candidates we interviewed. There were, um, in Poway Unified School District, we interviewed Ginger Couvret, Kim Garnier, Teresa Norwood, Charles Sellers, um, all incredible conversations. The one with Charles Sellers was amazing, getting a lot of the you know behind the curtain of what happens at the Poway Unified School District. And then the one we had with Kimberly Garnier was incredible. In fact, to this day, that's the video that has the most views and the most, excuse me, the most minutes viewed of any of the videos on YouTube was the Kimberly Garnier video. Um, the Charles Sellers one was very close to the top as well uh, because Kim Garnier and her husband, Chris, have an amazing backstory about a lot of issues here in Poway, a lot of race-related issues in Poway, um, a fabulous, fascinating conversation that we had. She was a candidate, an unsuccessful candidate for school board, but an incredible interview. We sat down for, I think it was like an hour and a half or two hours. So I invite you to go back and listen and check that episode out and check out the one with Charles Sellers, which was awesome. Um, 
again, just some of like, I, like Charles, Charles was selling, was sharing stories about, you know, the other school board members and how they vote and how the system is, is kind of distorted and the motivations of a lot of the different people, the, and a lot on the John Collins story and all the drama related to his dismissal and how he was fired. And a lot of the, the malfeasance and the, frankly, the theft that occurred, theft of taxpayer dollars that were really intended to benefit children and how John Collins stole that money and, and just incredible drama. I invite you to listen, listen to the Charles Sellers podcast as well. But then for Poway Mayor, we interviewed Brian Edmonston, Emily Johnson, and Yuri Bolin. We didn't get a chance to have Steve Voss on the program. I hope we can at some point. I know he's going to be, he already is an announced candidate for county supervisor in 2020. Um, and then for Poway City Council, we had Dave Grush, John Ryan, uh, Pete Neal, do Pete Neal, gee whiz, we've probably done about six podcasts with Pete Neal since. Well, great guy. We're talking about politics and Corvettes, and we've talked about his mission across America when he um, just did some amazing things for his family. Um, just an amazing guy. So he's one of the, my new friends who I've met through this podcast, which is wonderful. Um, John Carson joined us. Gee whiz, we, we spoke for like three over three hours on this podcast. And then um, we had uh, John Mullen, uh, you know, a, an incumbent. In fact, he's my representative in District 3 here in Poway. Uh, John Mullen joined us. And then in the short-term position, um, which is the two-year job, Kaylin Frank, and Tony Russo both joined us. Um, again, great conversations with both of them. Kaylin, you know, really new to Poway, but wonderful to hear her story, hear about her background and her family and her family, you know, their, the background in politics and in uh, public service. Both of her parents were sheriffs. And she talked about her, her life growing up, about her new family here in Poway. It was a beautiful story. And Tony Russo joined us. <laughs> wow, Tony Russo, um, a longtime Poway guy. And he shared some awesome stories and loved having him on. And his podcast, also one of the most highly rated ones we had, because Tony is so popular and so many people have known him here in town. And if you see the podcast or listen to it, you'll understand why. So um, amazing conversations. So we interviewed four out of the eight candidates that ran for Poway Unified School District, three out of the four mayoral candidates, and seven out of the nine that ran for city council. So that was um, 14 out of 21. So a clean two-thirds of the candidates joined us. And in those seven races, four of the winners joined us. So I would hope that those four winners, maybe you can look back on and think that your interview on the John Riley Project was helpful in your successful candidacy. So I, I just thought it was great. And I intend to do this again in the fall of 2020. And you know, we've already had one candidate that's announced for 2020. Chris Olps joined us and made his big announcement here on the podcast. We're, the, the invitation is open for Poway Mayor. Poway City Council, Poway Unified School District, but also for county supervisors, for health districts, for for Congress. I mean, any candidate, if you're running for public office and you want to get your voice spread in San Diego County, please join me here on the John Riley Project. Whether you're running for office in Poway or you're running for office in Oceanside, San Ysidro, Santee, you are welcome to join us here and we'll have a wide open discussion and you can tell your story without interruption and really share everything. And then you've got it shared on, uh, on, 
in an audio-only format and on video, and it can become a great tool for your campaign. So I, I think it's a, a neat service. So we can just talk out the issues, and it gives voters a chance to learn more about you. So that inv- invitation is on the f- table for any candidate. Um, but yeah, lots of other guests. I mean, we already talked about Steve Dow earlier. Um, Steve Dow joined us with his, he was one of four authors that joined us. Um, his book, 15 Reasons People Voted for Trump in 2016. Um, Jessica Johnson joined us, um, another local here. Her website, Hidden San Diego, is amazing. And she's also got Hidden California, all these secret um, places with amazing history, amazing art, artistry that are wonderful places to visit that are typically not included in a lot of the common tourist locations. She does great work. She had a book called Abandoned San Diego that she shared with us. We had Mike Ryan on, uh, Heart of the Lion, talking about you know the, the football uh, brain injury that he suffered and his recovery from that it was an incredible story. Uh, Michael Galden joined us a young man, uh, an author of the book, My Way Home, he was homeless through a great uh, portion of his childhood. And he ended up persevering, got a full ride scholarship to UCLA. And now he's an entrepreneur and an author and a public speaker and doing amazing things. And he was doing his homework underneath a streetlight as a homeless kid. Unbelievable story. So he joined us. We had um, five episodes that we just talked sports. We had um, David Leland on, uh, you know, David Leland's super fan. We did two separate um, episodes with him, uh, talking Aztecs, talking Padres. Those were wonderful. Um, John Maffey, uh, a longtime um, journalist for the San Diego Union Tribune, joined us. Then we talked about San Diego sports history, which was fantastic. We had Caleb Allen on, Caleb, the uh, varsity hitting coach at Westview High School, a longtime baseball coach. Here and an alumni of Poway High School, and we had Rory Herman, Rory, uh, another Powegian, a, a collegiate hockey player, uh, been on uh, Team USA. I mean, some great stories in the world of hockey. Rory Herman joined us. We had um, four amazing community activists. We had Steve and Abigail Albert, uh, Reverend and Doctor Stephen, and Reverend and Doctor Abigail Albert from the Interfaith Coalition. These are the people that bring all the different religions together. You know, Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, Sikh, uh, Baha'i, all the faiths, Native American, um, and there's countless other faiths that we can list a uh, list. They bring them together and they look for ways to have commonality. They look for ways to gain greater understanding of other religions. They find out where they are aligned. And, and, and in so doing, they break down fear, they break down hate, and they build love and they build community and they build connection. So it was a wonderful conversation talking about the work they're doing, not just in San Diego, not just in the state of California, but what they're doing worldwide to bring different people of different religions together. Incredible conversation. We had Matthew Mitchell, another um, great guy, talking about diversity and inclusivity. I thought it was a wonderful discussion as we're talking about you know, race relations and gender issues. And we kind of got into a lot of that. And it was 
a wonderful conversation. So Matthew B. Mitchell joined us. And then um, another community activist, Gabby Dow. Um, now we had, we had Steve Dow and then we had her, her, his wife, Gabby Dow joined us and Gabby, an entrepreneur, but also a very active person here in the Poway community. They live in Rancho Bernardo. So very involved in the Poway Unified School District, had been a volunteer on many of the committees, very outspoken about some of the malfeasance and the mismanagement that had gone on in the school district. She shared her stories, her battles. Um, you know, she was in the arena getting, uh, dusting it up with John Collins and a lot of the other um, big time players at Poway Unified. She shared her stories and her struggles. It was incredible. We had a bunch of automobile podcasts, and a lot of this inspired by Pete Neal, um, bringing his Corvette sensibilities. We had the Corvette happiness episode. We just did the recently the episode about ordering a custom uh, Corvette or a custom Mercedes, you know, the things to look for when you're going to be ordering that perfect dream car. Um, Pete shared with us his mission across America, where he drove cross country and fulfilled wishes for his mother. It was a beautiful story of family and of love. I love that one. Um, we talked about the Long Beach Grand Prix. Pete and I went up to Long Beach for that event. That was great. So we had an episode on that. And then I shared my own personal adventure, driving my electric vehicle, my Hyundai Kona, from San Diego to Albuquerque and back. And I documented every one of my stops. I documented all my charging and how it worked. And and I'll just tell you this, to get from San Diego to Phoenix and even San Diego to Tucson, not so bad. But once you get east of Tucson, those charging stations are few and far between and they're starting to build more. But it became, you know, it's, it's like a game. It's a puzzle to try to map out how you're going to get from one location to the other. You know, the electric vehicle charging infrastructure is wonderful in the state of California and in, in parts of Nevada and Arizona. It's very good. But in other states, it's very minimal. So we're still in the early stages of this. But now you've got to be very careful. I mean, you're driving a gas car. There's a gas station on just about every exit. Not so with electric vehicle charging stations, particularly the high-speed ones. So I documented that adventure, which for me was a really fun one. Um, And then, yeah, we had the 15 candidates. We had 14 from the 2018 cycle. And then we had the new candidate, Chris Olps, who has already declared his candidacy here in uh, Poway for city council. That was a great conversation. Chris talked a lot about the issues that we're facing as a community and what he intends to do about that. And he's getting a head start. He's already campaigning. And I think that's great. I think the earlier you get started, the better. Um, and then we had entrepreneurs on. We um, did a remote podcast with Bob Pasella from Sabuku Sushi. Um, he's doing incredible things with his sushi restaurant down in the Normal Heights, Adams Avenue district of San, of San Diego. Love that conversation and about the unique um, sushi items that he uh, brings to the table. Some really clever and um, fascinating recipes that he's he's he has sushi with bacon in it <laughs> and all kinds of like chili sushis. And it's just really neat the things he's done. Done. And he used to be a corporate finance guy and he got into the business of, you know, being a sushi chef for parties and it turned into building a restaurant. So we traced his whole, um, you know, his whole entrepreneurial trajectory and talked about what it takes to start a business in the city of San Diego and all the permitting and inspections and all the equipment he had to buy. That was interesting, too, uh, from a business, a small business perspective. Um, we had, I told you, Michael Galden, uh, the homeless um, advocate, now the CEO of Creating First Impressions. So went from homelessness 
to a full-ride scholarship to UCLA, now a published author and a CEO of Creating First Impressions, an organization to help you know, really focus on the homelessness crisis and uh, really helping those people that are in need. And then, of course, Gabby Dow, another uh, another entrepreneur, a director for NV5 Consulting. I know she does a lot of work in the world of um, water infrastructure, and she does a lot of work in the city of Chula Vista. So she joined us. And then we had 39 solo podcasts, 39 of just me going on and on, you know, and sharing my thoughts. And I love talking about the presidential debates. We talked about the, you know, the local campaign issues here in uh, Poway. But, you know, we did a preview on the Padres season when they signed Manny Machado. And we did a bunch on, on, the, on the San Diego Padres. Um, we talked a lot about... Um, like I said, personal growth issues. I did a whole podcast on journaling and the benefits that brings to me to clear my mind, to organize my thoughts. Um, and, you know, 39 episodes uh, commenting on current news. And, you know, like today we're commenting on the gig economy. So hope you're enjoying that. And in fact, a lot of those solo podcasts, we, we, you know, I share those episodes online. And in the closed Facebook group, the John Riley Project Insiders group, which by the way, you are invited to join us there. We have some great conversations. And there's a couple of guys that are in that group with us that love the, the interchange and love either agreeing with me or challenging me on the things that I say in these solo podcasts. So if you are so inclined, look, look us up on Facebook. It's the John Riley Project Insiders Group. You got to answer a couple of simple questions and then, um, and then I approve everyone to join us. So we've got a small group there. It's only about 30. Um, and there's probably about five to six of us that are very active. So join us there, please. And it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, 39. And then, you know, we're working on our social media. That's been the other part of this, trying to build the audience. And, you know, I talked about this in our last episode. We just finished another um, Facebook advertising campaign. That's been fun, trying to promote the podcast. So we're closing in on 1,000 followers on Facebook. That's our big goal. And we think we can get critical mass when we do that. But, you know, one of the big things I'm really working on right now, and this is one area you can help me, is I want to build the YouTube subscriber base. And I already said that Dave Rubin's up to a million subscribers, which is unbelievable. I'm nowhere near that, not even on the radar, but I could use your help. Please subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's a little red button. Click on that, and then you'll get um, updates on when we have new episodes. But at the same time, you will also be able to um, enjoy the conversation. In some cases, we have people writing comments in Facebook right below the video. So join us there for the discussion. Um, but yeah, the, the, the videos, um, you, you know what video got the most views of all of them is the one we did on the Ironman, another sports video. And this was when my daughter, Shannon, uh, participated in the 70.3 half Ironman triathlon in Palm Desert, Indian Wells. And we did a little one minute uh, video montage, and that has gotten a tremendous amount of views. In fact, more views than any of my other uh, episodes that I put on YouTube. And I think that's because a lot of people are searching for Ironman, searching for triathlon. That's wonderful. Um, and, um, yeah, what's the future going to be? We're going to, we're going to keep going and, um, there's a lot more we can do. There's a lot more areas that I think I can grow. I think the podcast can grow. We're going to have more solo podcasts, more guests. Um, I think this project has a lot of potential. I think it has a lot of potential to offer value to the audience. It has a lot of potential 
for me and and help in terms of building myself and and growing personally. So uh, we're going to keep going and we're going to keep pushing this through social media. I'm having some T-shirts made, by the way, some long sleeve T-shirts, and they're going to say pursue happiness on the front of it, Um, which remember, we talk about this podcast. It's all about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So um, the shirt will just simply say pursue happiness happiness. Um, had that got, uh, had that developed and actually our t-shirt vendor is, is creating them as we go. There'll be long sleeve t-shirts, kind of that SoCal surfer look, I hope, and something comfortable to wear. Um, and then what else? I mean, I think there's a lot of other possibilities where this can go, um, in terms of how I can grow this project beyond just the individual podcasts themselves, you know, public speaking opportunities, more remote events. I'm thinking about maybe doing some meetups where we can have former guests and, and uh, people that enjoy the fans of the podcast and have a meetup and get together and have some conversations. I'm talking or thinking about that. I'm thinking about building some online learning classes um, to share some of my my own skills and expertise in various categories. Um, I think that could be a great value to the audience and could be also an, a channel to generate a little bit of revenue for the project. Um, and then, as I said before, all the 2020 candidates are all invited to join us here uh, for a sit down um, no time limit conversation to share your platform share your backstory and have it all fully documented on video. And we'd love to have you for any 2020 candidate, including the ones that are already announced and are already campaigning right now on September 11th, 2019. But you know, the great thing about this project for me is that it's a blank canvas and I don't report to anybody. I can do whatever I want. And that's what's so fun about this. And I can try different things. And I've done some podcast topics that were really successful and other podcast topics that were really duds that had terrible views and terrible uh, downloads. But I learned from that. And um, that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it challenging. So thank you for joining me um, on this one year anniversary of the John Riley project. It's it, And this is just one year. We've got a long way to go. I'm going to keep on trucking with this and I hope you'll join me along the way. Um, so what can you do to help support this project? You know, listen and watch every episode. That's great. Share this with a friend. Um, if you run into someone, you tell them verbally, share a link, um, you know, post a, a link to this on Facebook, um, send any, a link to one of these episodes via email to one of your friends, spread the word. That would be really helpful. If you're listening to this on iTunes, leave a review. And if you think we deserve it, leave a five-star review. Uh, Write a few sentences on what you like or dislike about this project. That helps. It helps build credibility for the podcast. And, you know, just follow us on social media. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe. That would be really helpful. Okay, so closing quote. And I love this exercise. Every time I do a podcast, I always have my topic. I always try to find a closing quote that fits. And this is a great one from an amazing entrepreneur. Gene Simmons from the band Kiss, which, by the way, was one of my favorite bands. It still is to to this day. But I remember I was in the seventh and eighth grade. And back in those days, Saturday Night Fever was out. And most of my class loved the Bee Gees. But there were a few of us that were diehard Kiss fans. And that was the battle, Bee Gees versus Kiss. So I've always loved Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Frehley, and Peter Criss from the band 
Kiss. But Gene Simmons, an incredible entrepreneur, he's got a number of books and amazing things that he's doing. And this is his quote, which I think is great. We're talking about gig economy. We're talking about entrepreneurism. He says, the real difference between being an entrepreneur and everyone else in the world is the ability to monetize. I am an entrepreneur in the classic mold. And right on, Gene Simmons, you are. And that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur is to see opportunity and to find ways to monetize that opportunity because that creative mind is what can spark a innovation that can change the world and greatly improve people's lives that can educate them, help them, inspire them and do wonderful things. So thank you for joining us here on episode 76 of the John Riley Project. It's our one year anniversary. It's September 11th, a solemn and important day in America. And I hope you're having a great day. We'll see you later, folks. Bye bye. <music> 